Well, good morning again. As you are able, would you please stand for the reading of the word? I'm reading from Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward, but when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, I, w- I would feel different if I didn't wish you good morning as well. So, oh, thank you very much. It is always a joy and, and a pleasure for me to be on this side of the chancel area to get the chance to to speak to you uh, and especially to to begin a new sermon series. We are, as you saw in the video, focusing on what it means to put things in their proper order, to do the first things first, especially when it comes to our faith and to our lives before God. And we're going to be focusing on the sixth chapter of Matthew for this entire month the sixth chapter of Matthew, and I invite you to read it on your own. We won't be covering every verse, but we'll, we will be covering the majority of them. Uh, and so I invite you this week to go ahead and read that sixth chapter. It is the heart, it is the very center of the Sermon on the Mount, and it really forms the basis of everything that we're going to be talking about. Uh, and I would remind you that we also have a daily Bible reading plan. So in addition to the sixth chapter of Matthew, there are readings every day that sort of help focus our attention on what it is that our Sunday sermons are going to be about. And there are devotionals written by congregation members and staff members that also help with that and would invite you, if there, you can find the daily reading plan in our narthex, you can subscribe online to the daily devotional and you can find podcasts of those devotionals every day, your favorite podcast uh, provider, or you can find them through our website. And part of Jesus's sermon addresses three important pillars of certainly the Jewish faith and really Christian faith, all faith traditions tend to have these same pillars that are external exhibits of an inward faith. And it is the the quality of almsgiving, charity, fasting, and prayer. And it seems that Jesus is saying that there is a right way to express religious faith and a wrong way. And the difference is who ultimately gets the glory. Is it God or is it self? Who is the first priority when we do such things? And today we are focusing on the first part, the almsgiving, the generosity, the charity, and how best to give back part of what we have received. Now, as you read scripture, and you'll find this out if you are ever asked to prepare a sermon, which everybody should, I think. It's it's, it's an exciting exercise. But as you read scripture, what you tend to find is that the more you read it, the more things come out at you that that you notice that maybe you didn't notice on the first read. And what I noticed as I I read this particular passage, scripture 8, 10, 16 times, is that there are three assumptions 
that Jesus makes within this very short passage of, of his sermon. And the first assumption that he makes is that there are people who do things purely for show and purely for self-interest. And the word he uses is hypocrites. And this is a word that we are very familiar with. We are accused of it often. Uh, and in our modern context, we typically think of hypocrisy and being a hypocrite as saying one thing and doing another. And that certainly is valid. But in today's scripture context, it really focuses on the word hypocrite as being a stage actor, someone who wears a mask, someone who plays a role when really in real life, that's not who they are. And, and think about your favorite movie star or television actor. And I may be about to ruin your day. Andy Griffith is not Sheriff Andy Taylor, nor is he Matlock, and vice versa. Those are characters that an actor plays. And so the question becomes, what part of a person is the actor? What part of the person is genuine? And we should just admit and own up to the fact that we are all hypocrites in this context. Quite a lot of the time, we wear a lot of masks depending on the situation. And that's not always a bad thing. If we are in a horrible mood for whatever reason and we're out in public and someone asks us who we are, what do we typically do? We put on the mask that says everything is okay. It's just fine. And perhaps that's a good thing because we don't want to just lash out at someone by showing our true feelings of how terribly rotten our day is going. We hide that genuine part of ourselves sometimes, depending on the situation. It's not always bad. The troublesome issue arises, particularly in the ways that we express our faith, when the mask becomes more important than the truth. What Jesus is referring to in this passage is intentionality. It's very easy for us to mask an internal desire for self-promotion with external religious practices. It's very, very easy to do this. We can give and be generous so that we're noticed by other people. This is what Jesus is talking about when he talks about people who sound a trumpet when they give alms. They want to be noticed. We can pray in such a way that we want to impress people with the, with the high-sounding words that we use and how well we speak. And at that point, we become more like stage actors than authentic servants of God. And the glory that is sought is self-glory, not glory that is directed or that reflects God. And there is a second assumption in this passage of Scripture. The second assumption is that followers of Jesus are assumed to be charitable givers. Jesus specifically uses the phrase, whenever you give alms, not if you give alms. And it doesn't depend on the translation. Trust me, I went back to the original Greek. It says whenever. It's assumed that hearers of Jesus' message and followers of Jesus are going to be charitable givers. And generosity is one of those fruits of the Spirit. It's not a gift of the Spirit necessarily. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It is an expression, an outward expression that the Holy Spirit is working inside to transform us into followers of Christ, better examples of Christ. And generosity is an expression that that work is going on. It's a sign of a living faith. And generosity is not exclusively Christian. 
I mean, there's all kinds of people. Non-believers can be generous. Anybody in any faith tradition can be generous. So it's not exclusive to Christianity, but it is hard, if not impossible, to be a true Christian without being generous. Generosity is a spiritual exercise, and it works a lot like physical exercise. The more you use it, the stronger it becomes. It becomes this momentum-building exercise that grows on itself. And I'm not just talking about financial resources. I'm also talking about time, which is our most precious resource. There's a limited amount of it. So giving of time is generous. Giving of physical goods is generosity. We have a lot of things that we don't use. Can somebody else use those? And we're talking about our unique skills and talents. We have skills and talents that are unique to us. No one else has them. And so if we offer them in the service of God, in the service of our community, that is a very, very fine form of generosity. Richard J. Foster is a pastor. He is in the Quaker tradition, and he has written several books on spiritual disciplines. And he writes in The Challenge of the Disciplined Life, giving frees us to care. It produces an air of expectancy as we anticipate what God will lead us to give. It makes life with God an adventure of discovery. We are being used to help make a difference in the world, and that is worth living for and giving for. And in Jesus' words in the sermon, there is a third assumption, and this is a tricky one. There is a reward system. There is definitely a reward system when it comes to giving. And there's a tendency for us to read the rewards given to the hypocrites as a bit judgmental. Uh, It's it's sort of an I told you so. And we read it as, oh yeah, they have their reward. It's sort of like, yeah, they're going to get theirs. It's coming. They have their reward. It's coming. Well, then that's really not the context of that. It's more of an expression of a simple business transaction. They wanted to be noticed. They were noticed. That's what they wanted. That's what they got. Exactly. No more than that. The deal is done. Many years ago, long years ago, I lived in Nashville. I was trying to build a career as a, as a musician. And I was part of a band called the Cadillacs. We were a, a cover band. We played music from the 60s and 70s. We were a dance band. It was a really, really good band. We traveled all over the southeast playing for, for corporate jobs, for big parties, for weddings. And uh, we had a fantastic lead singer who for one of our jobs just, he had a conflict. He couldn't be there. And so he had provided a substitute singer for us. And so this guy was on the bus on the way to our, to our performance, and he was just amazing. His resume was packed with people he had worked with, people he had learned from, things he had done, big names that you would realize. And he sort of held court on the bus as he told us stories and told us of his experience, and we just could not believe our good fortune that we had this guy as part of our band for that night until the job started. The very first song, the band plays this big introduction that was meant to impress. It was meant to awe people. It was meant to say, we are here in town. You're going to be so glad you are here with us. And we start the big introduction. And when it's time for the singer to come in, there is silence. He just stood there. Now, in that situation, if you have seen the movie Apollo 13... 
There is the moment when part of the spacecraft explodes and all the alarm bells and all the lights in the cabin start flashing all at once. That's what happens in a musician's mind when something happens like that. When the singer does not come in and you're playing, you can't stop because that tells everybody in the room you've made a mistake. So how do you fix this problem? Generally, I'll give you a little behind-the-scenes look here. Generally, there are two leaders in a band. There is, the, there is the leader of the band who signs the check and hires the musicians. But then there is sort of the, the unofficial spiritual leader of the band who everybody looks to to fix the problem. In our case, it was the drummer. And the drummer made this sign, which means we're going back to the top. We're going back to the top of the intro again. And so he plays a fill. We play the intro again. Time for the singer to come in, and he stands there. A second time. Well, now something is really, really wrong. So again, we go through the whole thing again. And I should say, and I apologize to our young college singers, but this was a great joke when I was in school as an instrumentalist. We would tell this joke among our, the instrumentalists. If you hear a knock at the door, how do you know it's a singer outside? They don't know when to come in. Oh, <laughs> we would laugh at that joke. And now that joke has come to life in front of us. It actually happened. And so, again, the drummer pats his head, does the fill. We go back to the top, and the, the, the band leader says, now! And so the guy came in only after that. And that was sort of how the night went. The guy didn't know how to start songs. He didn't know how to finish songs. He didn't know lyrics. It was just a disaster. And all the credibility and all the respect that he had wanted was gone. He had his reward. It was in that first three hours on the bus when he held court. And maybe, he, maybe, maybe the reward he expected was to be a sermon illustration 30 years later. I don't know. <laughs> but that's what he received. And Jesus says that is one possible reward. When we give out of an interest of self-interest and self-promotion, it's a short-term reward. The pursuit of human recognition is always short-term. The rewards that Jesus promises from secret selfless giving, they are the eternal rewards. If you think about it, in the long scope of history, memorials, monuments, they all fade away. They decay. They fall down. They're taken down. And in the long scope of history, relatively very few people are remembered beyond two or three generations. But by developing our character and our discipleship, we're preparing an eternal soul for a rich communion with God that will last for eternity. And we may not see the reward that is being given us right now, but it is being given. But that sort of sets up a question, doesn't it? If we are seeking an eternal reward, aren't we at the same time seeking a self-serving reward? And I would argue that with so many other things, it depends on the motivation. If our only motivation is what God can ultimately give us, then yeah, we're on pretty thin ice. And we probably don't understand grace as well as we should. But if our motivation is aligning our will with the will of God, which is to be in a loving relationship with all of humanity for eternity, then the reward we seek is the same reward that God is eager to give. Ultimately, generosity is its own reward. 
Because in being generous, we will be fully living to our fullest potential and our highest potential, which is to imitate and exemplify Christ. Now, Jesus engages in a little hyperbole. hyperbole. He says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Well, that's just impossible. But what it means is Jesus didn't seek fame or recognition. Sincere generosity doesn't seek that either. In fact, Jesus emphatically told people a lot of times, don't tell anyone what I did. He would heal people and say, don't tell anyone. Just go and go to the temple. Go show yourself to the priest. Jesus gave reflexively in the moment that it was needed. Healing, wisdom, or just calming presence. And he did so without expectation that he would be glorified in that moment. That God would be glorified. And that's what we do. That is our goal as well. One final point. Our generosity and our charity are the expression of faithful hearts that instinctively know we can never repay the abundance that God has shared with us. Now, whenever I am am here and I'm doing the offertory moment, I often say the same thing. When we give, we are returning just a small portion of what God has blessed us with. We are surrounded by abundance. Maybe not financially. Not all of us are, are, are financially able to contribute vast amounts of wealth, but we have an abundance of blessing. There's an abundance of beauty. There's an abundance of joy. There is an abundance of provision, an abundance of blessings that so often we take for granted. And when we give back, we give back a portion of what we have that oftentimes we don't even realize. I had the, uh, the pleasure of, of volunteering for... Uh, a nonprofit that is here in Knoxville called Family Promise last weekend. They had a big fundraiser, and I got to volunteer and help out with that. And it's a wonderful event. Family Promise is an organization that works with families who are suddenly faced with homelessness. A lot of times when a family is faced with homelessness and they go to shelters, they are segregated into male and female, and families are separated. And this organization works to keep families together through the trauma of this crisis. And they partner with local churches who shelter them. But it goes beyond the immediate fix. There are also programs that help with education, with getting them back on their feet, with teaching them about budgeting, helping them with their finances, and helping, get, helping them get to a place where they can self-sustain. It's a wonderful organization. I was very, very glad to help out. My wife, Claudia, is on the board of directors. And so there was, uh, you know, when you volunteer for things, and everybody knows this, probably the worst part of volunteering is the cleanup process. And this was a large event. There were hundreds of people there. And so there was a lot of cleaning up to do, a lot of gathering of materials to take back to headquarters. We had to pack pickup trucks. We had to, to uh, collect table decorations, pack those away. We had to clean floors, pick up tablecloths. And there was one couple that just was a dynamo. I, I'm not, I won't say they enjoyed it, but they were everywhere. They were helping off in some of the dirtiest jobs they were right in the middle of. And they were the, some of the last to leave. And finally, one of, the, one of the members of the board of directors said to them, I'm sorry, I don't recognize you. Are you new to the board? Are you here with a board member? And the lady said, uh, no, none of those. We are a family that you helped. Um, and we want to make sure that we help you help others who are in our situations. We're in a good place now. And anything you need from us, you call us because we want to make sure other people enjoy the abundance that we have. 
And that's just such a marvelous gift. It's such a marvelous example of generosity, of giving back what we have received. And there's no way that we can repay God for the abundance that we enjoy. And God fully understands that. That's the meaning and the unfathomable mystery of God's love and grace. And it's not fair. God gives vastly more than we can give back. But we are instinctive scorekeepers. We feel the need to do something. But what? How can we make even a small repayment on the gift that has been given us? Perhaps Jesus gives us a clue in another sermon in a later chapter of Matthew's gospel. Jesus is telling a story about a time when the Son of Man returns and gathers everyone, all the nations around him. And those who understood, those who were generous with what they had to help others, those who fed people who were hungry, those who gave clothes to those who were in need, those who cared for those who were imprisoned or had suffered terrible circumstances of life, those were the ones who got it who understood. They were the ones who gave back to God in the form of giving to others a portion of what God had given to them. And that's the only payment that truly honors and glorifies God. That's the generous and giving heart that all who follow Christ long to have. And as we come to this table, this table of communion this morning, Jesus simply asks us to remember him. Remember the abundance of love the abundance of sacrifice, the abundance of grace, and in the strength of that memory to share his invitation with others. Let us pray. Gracious God, we seek to be generous and we sometimes lose our way and we lose the focus. Sometimes we just fall into the trap of focusing on ourselves instead of focusing on your call to use what we have to help others to bring your kingdom into this earth as it is in heaven. We ask that you forgive us for those times and you help us always to follow you and you're the model of Christ in generosity. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.